You're listening to Ink Speak, where storytelling and poetry meet the wonder and magic of living. I'm your captain, author, poet, and unearther of life, Maverick Malone. Dearly beloved, we gather here today to pretend to be something we're not. It was enough to coat the asystole of my mouth with Merlot, both wearing that shade and drinking her away, to play pretend in regal armor of bedazzled gowns of grandeur, the ones that matched my delusions and went well with my shoes, to keep house like the good little wife as if I were still five, with a pink plastic kitchen and three dolls in the stroller, to rotate like a broken dolly record I had completely forgotten the words to, or maybe never even bothered to hear in the first place, to conjure ethereal visions in my head just to finally get there in bed instead of being present, to shove every part of my wild spirit, painted with rose and crimson acrylics from Aphrodite's art box, into a cardboard one in the basement, to pick nursery colors in vibrant mint and soft peach, ignoring the sterile white walls of my own anatomy, to rock the baby to sleep and retreat to feast on dreams I thought could never exist, to rewrite the rules of hide-and-seek, ignoring that second piece entirely, finding solace only in bathrooms and back seats, to drown in my own dead sea rather than become the great flood I knew I could be, to grow only in the way creeping ivy does when it clings to all the wrong things, to swallow the whole bottle of blue pills and refill the prescription. It was enough, until it wasn't. The time has come, the walrus said, to talk of many things, of love and loss and wisdom gained, of broken vows and rings. Today, I want to talk about divorce, relationships, and how I personally came to that incredibly difficult decision. And maybe if you've been guided to this episode, I think it was for a reason. One of the first photos I posted on my Instagram years and years ago, and I mean, I'm 35 now, and we're talking back in the day when we were all slapping Valencia and X-Pro filters on photos, so yeah, old. But one of those first photos was my engagement ring held up against a picturesque backdrop of turquoise waters and a cruise ship off in the distance, like a scene straight from some rom-com or Lifetime movie. It was a moment encapsulated by love and hope and promise. In 2021, I made the tough decision to end that marriage. Me, of my own volition and choice, I got a divorce and left a 14-year relationship. So you can see why I chose this opening poem, which really doesn't need an explanation. I've wanted to talk about this in depth for a while, but it never made it to publication on my blog ages ago. I think because it wasn't meant to. It was meant for this. I needed to be able to just openly talk about it, to unload my heart in all her long-form verbose glory, so to officially be able to talk about this and share this part feels like a weight being lifted. So let's talk. I didn't even so much as mention the fact that I was getting divorced until the ink was dry and it was officially official like signed, sealed, delivered to the courthouse and filed away kind of official. I think maybe part of me didn't want to jinx anything. If it got dragged out longer than expected, which it didn't, from start to finish, my divorce took only four months. Or if something happened, I don't know. Maybe I wanted to wait because I just wasn't ready. What I do know is that divorce is nothing to be ashamed of. And I have absolutely nothing to hide. There's such a stigma around divorce that they're always messy or broken or someone cheated or something incredibly awful happened. And yeah, sometimes it is like that, but no one talks about the other side of divorce, the quiet kind of divorce, where two people grow so much, they just grow apart. A marriage that unravels so slowly over time that one day the idea hits you in the face with such force and you can't keep ignoring the truth anymore. Whispers will always turn into screams if you let them. As for me, there was no one singular event that caused my marriage to end. No one cheated. No one escaped into the bottle. No one gambled the life savings away. He was and still is a wonderful father and a good man. But there is a big difference between a good man and the right man. It was like I had this belief that some massively terrible event had to happen to justify leaving the marriage. That the simple fact that I wanted to leave, that I wanted more wasn't a valid reason. This is something that has echoed for generations of women throughout history. We stay for so many reasons. We stay for the kids. We stay for the financial stability. We stay for the familiarity of it all. Even when it hurts, 
we find a kind of comfort in this pain because it's what we know. We're afraid of risk. We're afraid of what might happen if we leave. We're afraid of letting go of love, even if it's no longer the love that we need. And it takes some deep soul searching and introspection to find the courage to go if that's what we really feel called to do. I felt tethered and sat on my hands for far too long because things were, quote, good from the outside looking in, that is. He had a great job that made a lot of money. We went on frequent vacations. He was thoughtful and bought me flowers for no reason. And I still appreciate that to this day. Guys, buy your partner the flowers. It says so much. But nothing is ever all roses, though. We fought like any couple. But I often felt gaslit and completely misunderstood and unsupported. Over time, I learned that speaking up wasn't safe. I hated confrontation anyway, so the arguing just made things worse. My codependency and people-pleasing just got stronger each time we argued and I rolled over. Things got turned around on me so much, I began to think I was crazy. It wasn't until I even began Googling the term gaslighting that I even knew what that was. And I know this was not his intention, and I don't even think he realized what he was doing. It's so incredibly nuanced and subtle. But I'm not here to talk about that. There are people out there that can educate you on that much more than I can. And look, I'm not going to go in depth out of respect for him because he had shit going on just like me. And I'm most definitely not perfect or a saint by any means. I fucked up and had bitchy moments in that marriage too. I'm not a victim. Neither of us are. We're just two people who grew apart. And I, for one, looking back, have so much gratitude and appreciation for what that relationship taught me. Without it, I wouldn't be the person I am today. But there I was, bottom line, I had someone that loved me, love as I knew it back then, and I was falling apart in slow motion on the inside the whole time. I didn't feel I had the love I deserved, and I later realized, of course I didn't, because I didn't know what that even looked like. I didn't know what love was. I wasn't loved in the way I needed because I didn't even know how I needed to be loved. I didn't love myself back then, so how could I have expected someone else to? I put everyone else's needs before my own for so long because it is what I had learned to do. To hold on to other people's love meant I had to do what they asked. I had to keep them happy or else I would lose that love. So it never mattered what I wanted. I couldn't risk being alone. Eventually, we began moving in wildly different directions and my heart quietly tiptoed out of that relationship long before my mind came to terms with that hard truth. I left because I wanted more and that is perfectly okay. Much like Adele's easy on me, I just never got the chance to feel the world around me. I met my ex at 19. 19! No one knows who the fuck they are at 19. And me at 19, I was in the throes of an eating disorder, using alcohol to cope with social anxiety, and basically to assume a new identity because being drunk was the only time I felt comfortable enough to actually speak and be more me. And I was also heavily battling depression. If hating yourself were an Olympic sport, I would have won the gold back then. So when I met my ex at a fraternity party and we began dating, I fell completely into that relationship. He was my first serious boyfriend and I was so afraid of being alone again, just like I had been for the 19 years leading up to that, that I latched on hard. Trauma bond and codependency activated. I needed him so I felt worth a damn. I needed him so I felt desired. I needed him to want me because I didn't want me. I needed him so I could feel good because I didn't know how to feel any of that on my own. In the beginning, it was beautiful. He really did help me heal from my eating disorder and self-hatred in his own way, though it would take years and some therapy before I could fully accept my physical vessel, one that I now love and appreciate and finally treat with the love and respect it deserves. Like I said, guys, there's so much to my story here. Too much even for a podcast, probably. Good thing I'm a writer working on a memoir, right? So we met at 19, got married at 27, and I still didn't know who I was. I never gave myself that chance to fly solo long enough to discover the answer to that life-altering question. But a part of me always wondered what it would be like to live on my own, to be on my own. Then there's the part of marriage where things fall into a routine and we get comfortable, and some of us really begin ignoring all of our own shit. Life felt like a hamster wheel wake up, drop my baby at daycare, go to my full-time job, pick up the baby, go home, cook dinner, clean, put baby to bed, go to sleep wondering if this is all there is, wake up, repeat. Then 2020 came along and quite literally shook the world awake. That summer, I fell down a rabbit hole of spirituality. Podcasts on past life regression specifically. 
I found it completely fascinating. I still do. One thing led to another, and then I was meditating to meet my spirit guides, doing my own past life meditations, and beginning to find life inspiring again. That same summer, Taylor Swift's Folklore was released, which is the album I credit with another awakening. It returned to me my love of words. After hearing that album, I felt inspired by her poetic lyrics, and I began writing again. Something I hadn't touched since, you guessed it, 19, right before I met my ex. It was like the minute I met him, that artistic, poetic part of me was severed, as if I no longer needed her. She had carried me through so many dark days that when I met him, maybe part of me subconsciously felt I didn't need her anymore, when in actuality, it was more so that I just hadn't yet learned to write and be inspired from a place of love and happiness rather than pain, until my spiritual awakening, which has so much to that piece that it's not part of this episode. Too many insane synchronicities, deeply terrifying events and experiences, and subsequent incredible souls that entered my journey from that point on to go into this episode. So let's mentally bookmark that for the future. Suffice to say that back then at 32, nearing the end of my Saturn return, I finally embarked on the journey to figure my shit out, thanks to that terrifying experience, which culminated in the nail in the coffin moment for me when my ex walked out of the door of our Charleston Airbnb on a trip after an argument, leaving me completely alone, feeling scared and unsupported and hysterically crying in the middle of my own mental breakdown. I still don't even know how I made it through that trip with what I was dealing with at the time, but when I think back to it, I am reminded of the astounding resilience and incredible strength of the human spirit. I spent the next year embarking on a wellness journey, and my ex and I patched things up as best we could. As I began to grow emotionally and spiritually, we moved further apart. The divide and the disconnect grew because I was moving into a completely different frequency, riding a higher vibe, if you will. And I remember one night when I was battling with this, this back and forth of what to do, I read something that made so much sense about where I was with the whole spirituality thing and me growing at such a rapid rate that caused the rift. And the passage I read said this, the thing about spiritual growth is it can make us incompatible with someone we used to be in harmony with. Since spiritual growth is accelerating and humanity awakening, more and more people are working through their karmic lessons and outgrowing their marriages faster than ever before. As such, marriage as it exists today here on earth is not meant to last forever, but only until the full potential for growth has been reached, which often isn't until death do us part. And that's what I felt, that I was outgrowing the relationship as I was allowing myself the gift of discovering myself, of choosing myself. I started therapy not long after. What began as therapy for anxiety became a breadcrumb trail to my inner truth. I began talking about my childhood experiences, my relationship, my feelings. It was the first time in my entire life I had openly discussed my feelings in that kind of way. Only my journal pages knew that deeply personal kind of stuff. But therapy, it felt safe. No judgment. I'm a huge proponent of it because it allows us that safe space to unload our heaviness and confront our feelings while being supported by another human being. It's just another example of how talking and using our voice Allowing ourselves to be truly seen and heard is power and strength. It's healing. Thanks to my therapist, I could begin addressing the elephant in the room, these shameful feelings about the marriage that I had buried. I felt pressured to continue to martyr myself, but I didn't want to anymore. I just wanted more. She let me talk, and she listened. She helped me slowly build my inner voice by holding space. Finally, we touched on the topic of divorce. The idea had been in my mind for quite some time, but it wasn't until I allowed myself to really sit with the thought and bring it up in therapy first that things began to fall into place and I had an insane amount of synchronicities. I still didn't fully trust myself, so I had to ask for a sign. I remember one weekend pretty close to me pulling the trigger on everything where we went hiking in some small nowhere town about an hour from where I live. And we walked around the town square and went into this bookshop. My daughter wandered over to the children's section and pulled a book from the shelves that she wanted to buy. She was around three and a half at this point, but I could already tell her intuition was on fucking point, you guys. The amount of times she intuitively chose movies and TV episodes back then that held some sort of message for me is incredible. She still does this, and she has said things to me that there is literally no way in this world she could have known. Things that I have only written down in a journal. Kids are incredible and so in tune with energy. It's amazing. And I, for one, hope that she never loses that intuition and that connection to it all. 
So she picked out this book and it was half in English and half in Spanish. Some book about a mother bear and her son and about how much she loves him. I thought nothing of it at the time, but it's super important and we're going to come back to this. So we bought the book and spent the rest of the day hiking all while my mind was battling this monumental decision of should I stay or should I go? At this point, my ex and I had already had this conversation in which I told him I wanted a divorce. He managed to convince me we should work it out. I conceded. And that weekend was our attempt at putting ourselves back together. But I still felt off. Something still didn't feel right. And the idea wouldn't leave me alone. I asked the universe to send me the sign of a zebra if the relationship had run its course like I felt it had and it was time to move on. On the way home, we stopped at a store and I spotted a zebra suitcase. Not just a zebra pattern suitcase, but one that was made to look like wood with this beautiful carving of a full zebra on the front. Thinking it too much of a coincidence, I pushed it aside. This is the part where the universe sighs and face palms at all of us silly humans when we ask for signs, receive them, and then continue to question them. Granted, this was also a huge life decision. And while I felt the nudges and deep down I knew what I had to do, I just didn't 100% trust myself yet. One of the main ways I receive guidance is through music. I'm clairaudient, which means I hear and receive messages audibly both inside my own head and through external sound. I'm also clairvoyant, clairsentient, and claircognizant, meaning I also see things, feel things, and know things. We all actually have these abilities, but it takes some calibrating and a whole lot of self-trust to cultivate them. But music has been so pivotal to me along this journey. And I had been compiling a list of songs since the beginning that came bearing messages for me. I still remember the day I wrote a poem from the front seat of my car in a moment of pain that ended with the phrase, we weren't just smoke and mirrors, only to turn on my Spotify on shuffle, where a song I had never heard before, titled Smoke and Mirrors, instantly began playing. Or the time on the drive home from that fateful Charleston trip where I was lost in thought over how I felt completely powerless in my situation and heard a song called He's Got the Power by the Exciters. Another song I had never heard in my life, but the message came clear through the lyrics reflecting my emotions. Lyrics that said, He makes me do things I don't want to do. He makes me say things I don't want to say. And even though I want to break away, I can't stop saying I adore him. I can't stop doing things for him. He's got the power, the power of love over me. That felt like the last year of my marriage summed up in a song. Even as I was typing part of this transcript in a coffee shop, this part about how music has messages, a song just came over on the stereo system that has been part of my spiritual Spotify playlist, one that has meaning and significance to me. It's just further proof that we're always being guided. We just have to learn to listen if we ever want to hear it. So later that weekend, when I'd been yo-yoing on this divorce decision, about how I felt I wasn't sure, and then him convincing me that staying was the best thing, I felt more confused than ever. And here's where the guidance comes in. I heard about this acoustic candlelight yoga class, so a gentle yoga flow set to music and singing, and something in me told me I had to go, that it was something I needed. And I was so close to being late, but somehow I made it there with time to spare, and I got the last parking spot available right by the door. I laid out my mat and began to breathe. Then I heard it, the first song of the set, I recognized it as one from my spirit playlist, the one I'd been cultivating of these profound messages from the universe. I noted the synchronicity and smiled as I moved into Warrior 2. Then the next song played was yet another from my playlist. Spirit had my full attention now. Then another and another. It was song after song, these messages I'd been collecting for the past year. Of the maybe 10 songs they played, I'd say at least eight of them were meaningful ones that were on my playlist. I took it as the final sign, and as I left the studio, I found a feather on the ground right outside my car. Another sign that, yes, I was strong enough to do this. I was strong enough to make it on my own. It was time. After class, I went home and told my ex I wanted the divorce and that he needed to move out as soon as possible. I had the perfect opportunity to finally let it go, but as I sat on that couch wondering what the fuck I just did because this was a completely novel and new massive choice I was making and it felt scary as hell. I pulled back. I second, third, fourth guessed my intuition. I went to him in a moment of weakness and having him hold me felt so familiar and safe and warm. And I remember this moment like it was yesterday. Me standing in the kitchen with him just holding me as tight as possible as I was sobbing into his shirt and saying, this is what I needed the entire time. To just be held. All that time, I just wanted to feel truly seen, to be loved and supported so deeply. 
I craved the emotional intimacy on a deep and profound level. I was starving for it. And in that moment, it felt amazing. And something in me reconnected to him emotionally in that moment of pain because it was born from a place of wounding again, where our love first originated. He told me it could work. We could work. He would change. And we had a conversation about it. And for a few hours, I believed it. I wanted to so deeply in that moment, more than anything, because it was comfortable and known. At that point, I felt like I was addicted to the comfort and familiarity of the relationship, this warm blanket kind of a feeling. Even if it hurt, even if I felt hollow, it was familiar. And yet as the day wore on, those feelings soon dissipated. As we moved back into routine, I found myself feeling less like the new me I had been blossoming into for the past year. And I had moments of confusion where I wasn't even sure where I was, like temporary memory loss almost. I was having headaches and symptoms of a tight and tingling scalp, heart palpitations. I felt physically ill. In reconnecting with him emotionally in that reattachment and reactivation of my codependency and unhealthy behavior, I had moved back into this lower state of being to match his vibration. The new me I had gotten to know over the past several months felt so far away now. That's when I knew I had made a horrible mistake. It would never work unless I was willing to give up who I was becoming, and that wasn't worth compromising for anything, not even him. So I let him go and told him to pack his things and move out as soon as possible. I had to do it. I couldn't stay in something that just didn't feel right for me anymore, and I couldn't model martyrdom for my daughter. We couldn't give each other the things we needed if I stayed, and I had to set us both free to find out what that was. I've only ever wanted to write about my journey and inspire others to chase their dreams and live their truth, and I couldn't do that if I wasn't living my own. I couldn't learn and grow to the extent in which I wanted to if I never made a move during that time when something felt so out of alignment in my life. I felt called to something greater, and it wasn't there. I had given that relationship almost 15 years of my life, and I felt stuck. I couldn't just keep waiting around and giving it more and more while denying myself what I really needed. I don't feel like a failure because my marriage failed. I just came to the realization that I finally loved and respected myself enough to know when it wasn't working and when to walk away. Is that even a failure? I could have stayed and tried to make it work, but I would have been staying for the wrong reasons. I would have been staying because he wanted me to so desperately and out of fear and guilt of hurting him, because I couldn't bear to see him so heartbroken, because I was desperately wanting to give him what he so intrinsically needed, because I was scared to be on my own because it was comfortable, because I was getting older, because we had invested so much time together already, because we had a child together. There were so many reasons to feel like I had to stay, but only one cataclysmic reason why I had to go, because I had to listen to my own inner voice. Once the decision was made, for real this time, no more crying wolf, it felt right. I can't explain it. It's just a a deep knowing. The next chapter was ready to present itself, but it couldn't until I made the big move and made space for my own needs, wants, dreams, and goals until I learned to trust myself enough so the universe could catch my fall. And catch she did. Remember the book I mentioned earlier? The one my daughter found in a bookshop in the middle of nowhere? We never read it until about a month into my divorce process, after I'd already hired a lawyer and started filing paperwork. One evening, she pulled it out, and as we sat down to read it, I gasped when I opened it. There, on the first page where the author dedicates who the book is for, was the same exact name as my divorce lawyer. At three and a half years old, my daughter knew the name of my lawyer before I did. While the universe supported my decision, I can't even tell you how many times people, namely family, asked me, Are you sure? But like, are you really sure? How do you know? Isn't this a bit fast? Again, really this time with feeling, are you sure? And the thing is, no one seemed to be satisfied with my answer that I just knew, or that the fact that I wanted to go was reason enough. I had been through every emotion on the spectrum before I came to that clarity, and it took some back and forth to get there, but once I knew, there was no going back on my decision. The new trajectory my life was taking just felt right. It would have been worse for me to stay in the marriage that my heart was no longer in. And not only that, it would have been incredibly unfair to my ex. We both deserved better. In freeing myself, I was freeing him to one day allow the kind of love he deserved into his life, to give him all the things I couldn't, just as I was freeing myself to do the same. 
all too often, we, women especially, are conditioned and influenced to stay in relationships that no longer fulfill us because it's what society and or generations past expect, especially when you get to a certain age. And if there are kids involved, forget it. We stay much longer than we should, or we push the idea aside altogether and sacrifice ourselves for the sake of others. We have been conditioned to be the martyr, to take care of everyone else and put ourselves in last place. And that is not something I wanted to model for my daughter. I had to put aside other people's expectations and opinions and do what was right for me and what I felt deep in my soul that I had to do. And you know what? All those people, all those other voices are not you. They don't know your relationship the way you know your relationship. They only see what you want them to see. And sometimes we are pretty damn good at painting the picture of perfection because it's a way to dissociate from the truth, stay in our comfort zone, and keep the illusion alive. It's a way to live completely on autopilot. We become masters at distraction. During those last two years of my marriage, no one would have suspected I was having these kinds of thoughts because I kept all of that very much under wraps. And my Instagram at the time was all smiles and distractions. Another pretty dress, another glass of wine, another nudge of truth swiftly swatted away so I could cover up the pain. But when I finally did it, chose myself and my dreams, everything changed. A few months before my poetry book was released, I wrote a letter to my ex, a kind of closure, maybe more so for myself than for him, and I gave it to him, but honestly, I don't even know if he ever read it. But it's something that really explains a lot of this, of where I was coming from at the time, and also the incredible perspective I had on the whole thing, one that I still do. So I think I want to share that here. Maybe it'll resonate with one of you. I think I also want to share it as an example, that divorce doesn't have to be this searing, smoldering, vicious thing, that it can be beautiful depending on the lens you place over the experience, if you are open to the lessons it will inevitably bring. I think it's important to view it from a much higher vantage point and offer everything love and gratitude in your own time, because I know that in that moment, everything really fucking sucks and hurts like hell. I wrote this letter about a year after all of that initial shit went down, so I had some time to really sit with all of it. Writing my poetry book really helped me process so much of this that I think was a major piece in being able to then be at a point to not only write the following letter, but to give it to him. And here's what I said. It feels strange to be writing this, but I wanted to let you know a few things. I'm self-publishing my first poetry anthology, the first of several, not only just books of poetry, but books in general, many of which will be autobiographical in nature, memoirs. Many of those will be taking my story and all the lessons from my life and the relationship and marriage and sharing them with the world told through the lens in which I experienced them. Many of my poems and passages will be painful to read if you choose to. I want you to know upfront that I have no ill will whatsoever against you. Some of my poems were written using my anger in the moment, my pain, as fuel. And some of my poems are just about the way women are seen by society and are actually not about you at all. It can be very easy to read into things that aren't there when we layer our own experiences on top. There were many times within the relationship I felt lost and alone, and that pain comes through my writing. But I just want to remind you, these are just my feelings and personal experiences. This is my truth, and no one knows my story like I do. My point in writing this is to perhaps offer some formal closure, explain why I had to leave, though the book explores this more in depth, and also to thank you. Along my healing journey, I've had some massive revelations. As I neared closer to publishing my first book, one of those revelations was that you were my first catalyst. Before we met, I used my creativity to channel my dense negative emotions that I didn't know how to feel, because honestly, I hadn't learned how to feel. I was constantly writing, painting, and drawing before we met because I was constantly in a state of pain. Creativity is how I survived. But when I met you, I stopped writing and drawing. I was filled with new emotions, joy, happiness, love, as I knew them then. It never made sense to me why the muse disappeared so suddenly. I realize now that it was because I had not yet learned to be inspired from a place of abundance rather than a place of pain. I had so much healing and growing to do. Within the capsule of our relationship, I learned what love and joy felt like. I learned that this other end of the spectrum even existed at all, and the inspiration and creativity returned, often in other forms like social media and my blog. Over time, we deteriorated as things began to come to an inevitable end. After I learned some very hard lessons through the marriage and had my spiritual awakening, 
my passion and lifelong dreams of becoming an author returned because I now had the most powerful story of all to tell. Mine. That could only happen if I picked me. I placed too much validation on things outside of myself rather than listening to that quiet voice inside until those whispers became screams. My codependency and people-pleasing nature combined with an incredible inability to communicate my feelings, which is so ironic for someone who thrives on words and much better at communicating these days, led me to stay in the relationship probably longer than I should, but everything was for a reason. Everything had to happen the way it did. I was always fated as the one who would leave first. I quite literally gave myself a human design type of manifester to facilitate this. It was always meant to be me who would initiate it and leave first. And in doing so, I triggered your wounds and healed a monumental part of mine. But our stories, much like healing, are never done. I hope that the past year has brought you healing as well and that you have been able to peel back the layers of yourself and peer into those shadows. I hope that you too have come to realize how much those darkest parts of ourselves are the ones that need our own love the most. I hope that now you are in a better place and able to see the bigger picture. We set each other free to become our best selves. Maybe you don't see it that way, but that's the perspective I carry. You are bound for great things, no doubt, just as I am. Things that would not have come to pass had we stayed in the marriage. If I stayed, my book would not exist. The very book I feel I was born to write that is jumpstarting my lifelong dream and a powerful book that I believe is going to have a positive impact. In hindsight, everything makes sense. It's all built into my upbringing, my astrology, my human design, and my innate passion for language and knowledge. Those passions exist for a reason. We owe it to our souls and our hearts to follow them. We are always learning and growing, and there will be many more stories for me, but this one, this heartbreakingly beautiful and monumental story of how I grew through everything I had to go through and the role we played in each other's lives, it's finished. So I just wanted you to know how much I appreciate our time together, even all the times we took shots at each other and twisted the knife because everything was a lesson. That marriage taught me so much about myself, about love, about relationships in general. There was massive growth in the lessons that I now carry forward. I hope that everything was as much of a catalyst for growth and healing for you as it was for me. I also hope that you find what you're looking for. I hope you really examine that relationship and how we mirrored back to each other our deepest wounds, how there were things we could not give each other because we were not giving them to ourselves, and we carried those wounds through into the relationship. There are things we could not have until we healed from the very relationship we thought would save us. There is someone out there for you that you're destined to meet when you reach the next part of your journey. I hope that she can give you all of the things I couldn't. First, you must find and accept it within yourself, deeply and wholly. Rip out every old limiting belief and plant beautiful new ones in their place. And be careful what you speak into existence. If you proclaim you will never love again, well, you're planting your roots in suffering. Words are spells, very, very powerful spells. Do not close yourself off to love. Over time, I think you'll see how much your heart will open again, or maybe it already has, because the heart has an immense capacity to heal, regenerate, and make space. But to love and be loved, we have to keep on loving. Keep your heart open and have nothing but gratitude, forgiveness, and reflection for all of the people that ever hurt you because they were your greatest teachers. If you take the lessons and let them grow you as a person, nothing is ever a failure. While I don't love you in the same way I once did, love has many forms, and I will always love you in some way, in many ways, in fact. As the wonderful father to our daughter, as a friend, as a teacher, as a person, as a deeply kind and kindred spirit. Our time as husband and wife in this life has ended, but over time, once all our wounds from the marriage have healed, I think there is a great capacity for this new kind of love to take on a life of its own. After all, love is just energy, and energy can never be created or destroyed, only transformed. I hope that in time, you will be as well. So be well. Be transformed. I can already hear my mother asking me why I'm putting all of this out there, while I'm telling everyone my business when matters like this are so private. We view things very differently. I think vulnerability is a superpower, and all along, I knew one day would become today, the moment where 35 years came flowing out of my mouth in a crescendo of sound. In discovering myself, I've unearthed the part of me that hungers so insatiably for truth, for words, and to let that truth spill out into the world in hopes that my story might help someone else realize their own truth or 
at the very least, lead them to start questioning what it is they really want. And if someone out there needs this as a kind of reassurance that it's, quote, okay to go, maybe that'll help them. Maybe if I had heard someone's story like this sooner, I wouldn't have stayed as long as I did. I wouldn't have ignored so many red flags in the name of comfort and stability simply because I was afraid of being alone. I wouldn't have kept my mouth shut just to please another person while forsaking myself. Maybe one of you listening right now is in a similar situation, questioning whether to stay or go, feeling like you need to earn your way out of a relationship that you know in your heart isn't right for you anymore. Maybe you're a little bit like I was, looking for a kind of permission slip to exit a relationship, validation from someone else in a similar situation, as if other people know better than you do. And if that's you, that's your conditioning talking. It's most definitely not your intuition because intuition doesn't outsource herself. She believes and she trusts. She just knows. But we grow up with so much conditioning, so much trauma. We learn to tamp down this inner voice and lean heavily on the people we think know best, parents, family, friends. But no one knows your story like you do. No one is in the relationship experiencing it the way you are. No one has your heart. But I get it. Sometimes when we're in that desperate place, about to make some life-altering decision, there's multiple things to consider. But if you get really quiet and listen, your heart, your soul is absolutely trying to lead you down the path that's best. I'm here to tell you, if you have that voice inside that is urging you to listen to it, then go find some stillness, sit with yourself, and listen. That voice is there for a reason, guiding you towards what was always meant for you. Your happiness absolutely matters, but you won't find it in another person or another relationship until you find it within yourself first. There are no shortcuts here. The most important relationship a person can have is the relationship they have with their self. If I stayed in something I knew no longer aligned with who I was becoming, I would be betraying my innermost truth and betraying that relationship with self. Ultimately, I would be passing on those patterns to my daughter. I want her and anyone else listening to this that may be in a similar situation to know that if you want to leave the relationship, that is reason enough. You don't have to wait for some cataclysmic event to push the emergency button to exit. You don't need permission or approval from anyone else to go if that's what you want. No one gets married thinking they will one day get divorced, but sometimes it's just what happens. I'm on the other side of it now, so maybe, yeah, I think I see why I was supposed to wait before really digging into this, so I can tell that story in its entirety and tell you what it is I've learned. And here's one massive asteroid impact phrase that's cliche, but true for a reason. It gets better. It gets so much better. If you sit with yourself and come to the decision that divorce or breakup is right for you, it's going to fucking hurt like hell in the beginning for a while. I won't sugarcoat that. And stay tuned for future episodes on how I made it through that rough period. But there will come a day when you look back in awe, both at that version of yourself who is strong enough to choose her own happiness and also at the person you've become going through what you've gone through. And you will think, damn, that was definitely the right decision. Take other people's opinions and judgments with a grain of salt, preferably on the rim of a margarita. My mom wrote a lengthy email bearing her soul on why I should reconsider my decision to get divorced, on why I shouldn't do it. One of her main reasons to stay was because of my daughter, which other side of the coin here was also a huge reason of exactly why I felt I had to go. I thanked her for sharing her concerns with me because I know it was coming from a good place. But the truth is my mind was made up because mother doesn't always know best. Only you do. There is no shame in wanting a happier life, so ignore the others and the maybes. Maybe if I had done this or that, maybe if things happened differently. Point is, the past is the past, and it's happened already, so creating stories around what we could have done to change the outcome is not productive at all and will not change anything, so only focus on the future. It all comes back to perspective. Sure, you could view the divorce through a lens of failure, and then that's all you're ever going to see. But if you look at it as an opportunity for new beginnings, your world will shift and it will surprise you with the blessings it's going to bring. The relationship should be viewed, if it ended amicably, with nostalgia and appreciation for what it once was. Love as you knew it at the time and loving someone in the only way you knew how. And even if it didn't end well, have love and respect for that version of you that was resilient enough to choose herself. And if you do go, 
please let yourself be sad. Cry. Get it out. You're allowed to be sad even if you wanted to initiate the divorce. Just because you knew you had to go does not absolve you of your grief. It's very much like a death. You're mourning the end of a relationship and essentially a version of yourself and a life you thought you were making. Just because you knew it was the right decision to leave doesn't make it any easier or hurt any less. So allow yourself time to grieve. I think that choosing yourself is the greatest act of self-love one can give. So look, I don't know who needs to hear this, but if you want to go, go. You don't need anyone's permission but your own. Not his, not theirs, and certainly not an old book. Stop, look, and listen to what you've been fed. If the message doesn't sit well, fucking leave the text on red. Write your own storyline instead. When I first left, it felt like the tower card from the deck, a sledgehammer to my head, the butcher in the cleaver of lies that narrative said. There are times you stay and times you go, and what it all distills down to is when you know, you know. Don't you owe it to yourself by now to follow that rabbit down? Make waves, make moves, see the higher point of view. You can't feel what isn't there. You can't have the truth without the dare. This isn't buyer's remorse, it's really buyer beware. If you overstay your welcome, you become Mrs. Peacock and Colonel Mustard trapped in a burning room, so this Miss Scarlet is urging you to finally get a clue. And when that tower at last topples, I promise you'll make it out alive. So show up for yourself. Take stock of what's inside. In the end, you're holding a full house of hearts with nowhere left to hide. Now I get kind of excited when I hear someone finally left a stifling marriage or a stagnant relationship because it means growth. Stay with me. Let me explain. It doesn't matter if it's this pronoun or that who decides to quit the game, but when the level 20 tower has been burning for far too long, someone takes both controllers and refuses to play along. At least one of the parties understands what comes after pain. At least one rejects becoming a martyr to eternally burn in those flames, stops making a home among shame, opens themselves to something great. There is growth in the little death at the end. There's a green light after red. There is so much strength in leaving. There is bravery in healing. Some wreckage is not salvageable. Some things are destined to end. Some things bend so much they eventually just break. That is called fate. That is called expansion. That is called changing the narrative, rewriting the rhyme, rescripting the story, redefining your life. You know, I wasn't even going to do this episode yet because as I was reading it, it felt unfinished. I knew there was more I wanted to say because this whole part of my story is full of thoughts and experiences and so many miniature puzzle pieces that fell into place at their own pace. And it's hard to really capture that in a single podcast episode. The essence of everything that happened to me, bringing me here full circle, talking about trying to talk about everything that happened to me, like divorce inception. But of course, as I went to bed thinking about this, about what else I wanted to say here to those of you like me when I was struggling with myself, with relationships, with life, and when I thought about how I wanted to end this one, I had a dream and received my answer. And I saw you playing guitar in a dream, and I heard you playing. And I also saw you attending the recitals and packing the lunches and laying lifeless in the middle of the bed waiting quietly for him to finish staring at the ceiling, counting the nothingness that was there because you've become so accustomed to it. The days that feel like that when you want to be making your own plans and wondering when it might be you strumming on a stage or writing the book or boarding a plane to some mystery of a place instead of sweeping your own under the rug and trying to cover it up like it's a dirty, shameful thing. This unknown, this wanting, the fact that you still have these dreams that now do nothing but ache so far beneath your internal geology the thoughts and the longing carving canyons into the cliffs of your being. And I think if this is you, as it was me, maybe you're scared what it all means. To even think these things, to even have this dream and not see a way for both, this or that. If it's worth saving, you can save yourself first and find a way for everything if it's meant to be. But if it's run its course, that's okay too. Make room for your truth. Stop letting yourself be used. No one is going to keep making excuses but you. How many more years can you keep swallowing the insanity of it all, doing the same thing indefinitely and somehow expecting a different result? What if his love always feels like that, a little hollow, a little empty, somber and bittersweet? What if he keeps taking your love for granted? What if he erodes you so slowly over the years until there's nothing left? What if you keep letting him? What then? 
I think about what I would tell myself in this situation if it were me now confronting my past, scared and driving myself mad with the 25,000 excuses and a million what-ifs in the back of my head. What if I'm alone forever? But what if you find someone who understands, appreciates, and truly sees you? What if I'm making a huge mistake? But what if this is the greatest decision you could ever make? What if I leave and I take a chance on me and everything falls apart at the seams? What if you stay and that happens anyway? You see, if you want your personal more, you have to make space. You're like a giant suitcase packed to the brim right now. There's only so much room and unfortunately, you're carrying entirely too much that you cannot be given anything new until you get rid of some of the old. Your hands, your heart can only hold so much, but your soul wants you to have everything you've ever wanted but you've still got his things and their things and family things and the heavy overbearing weight of obligation and restrictions you never asked for and you're still dragging your trauma around by a ball and chain. Can you entertain the thought of what it might feel like to chase your own dream? What if this wasn't your punctuation of a truncated fate? What if there's more out there for you? What if one day you call it making love instead of just having sex? What if one day it gets so much better than this? What if one day you find someone who appreciates all your weirdness, who calls you beautiful without you even having to think it, who compliments your brain even more than your skin, who compliments you at all and takes notice of the little things, who lays his head on your lap and asks you to read poetry to him? What if one day you try on this new life and everything you gave up for everything you now have just fits and feels effortlessly divine? What if you start feeling inspired? What if leaving turns up the brightness? What if one day you redefine life and love and it becomes something you are excited for every day because it feels different than anything you've ever experienced? What if by choosing to chase your own happiness, you find out what living and loving really means? What if your life can be a thing to be experienced rather than escaped, rather than tolerated, rather than simply lived from a day-to-day existence? Listen, I only know what I know, and sometimes that's not a lot, but you know there are a few things I pocketed, and what I will say is that I have absolutely no regrets about the day I left. I have nothing but gratitude for that girl because she got me here. She bought my freedom with her two cents and a willingness to crack open and accept risk, not as an enemy, but as a friend. It can be scary to listen to that voice. It can be scary to be on your own. It's why I waited almost 15 years to pull the plug in favor of chasing what I'd been shown. But there came a time when my personal whys became entirely too great for me to relegate my life to the restricted boxes of mother and wife when I felt it the whole time. The enormity of what I could be, of what I could have, of what I could do just by choosing me. There is happiness after pain because there is always life after rain. New things can grow again after grief. You'll see you are always worth it. Don't choose his happiness over your own, over your possibility. If there's something, anything inside of you nudging you in the direction of leaving, place pointed toes gently over the threshold and move slow. Think long and hard, but don't hold yourself back if you really want to go. There will be other voices trying to convince you otherwise, telling you not to for many reasons, but they're coming from their own experiences, beliefs, and projections. They are not you. Even me, if these words don't resonate with where you are, leave them behind. Don't listen to me or my whys. If you've been thinking about leaving, but you believe you can work it out and still be happy, be deliriously happy, and still get your own dreams, then stay. Maybe one day you will have both, and if that's what you want, I hope you do. I'm just telling you what I wish someone would have told me, because everyone tries to get you to stay, but no one encourages you to go when it's honestly what you've been feeling but have been too ashamed to say. No one is going to grant that wish but you. It's a hard truth to even come to if it's been simmering somewhere in there. So if you're like I was, using the shower to drown out the sound of your own tears, crying silently after he's fallen asleep, feeling the silence eating away at your being, slowly dissolving, wishing you felt things more deeply, asking yourself if this is really all there is, wanting, 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 maybe it is time to leave. Now could be the moment that you yourself become the dream. And maybe for you, like me, when you leave and do the incredibly hard but brave thing, you'll be wild and free on your feet and meet yourself on the other side of all of this. That's the only reason you need to chase yourself, your own love, 
there's a higher expression of you wanting to become. There's a version of you waiting for you, gathering all the light in you and whispering through midnight and drying your tears. She's who is lifting you to your feet in the shower, covering you gently with the sheet at night, kissing your forehead and encouraging you to stay strong. All along, she's been whispering to you, calling to you. She is infinitely patient and she will wait until you're ready to make a change in whatever way that is for you. Only you can make that choice. Just please promise me one thing before I leave. Don't let him or any of the other suffocating noise bury your spirit and drown out the sound of your own voice. If you want to live a long and fulfilling life, you have to think about love as nourishment, as food and fuel, as sustenance. Can you be sustained by what you have? If you died tomorrow and everything just as it is today became your legacy, would that level of love be enough? And more importantly, do you truly, honest to God, have all of your own? Is the way you're living right now with who you're living with, both this present version of you and whoever's in your bed, with the way you're thinking right now, the way you're experiencing life right now, with the way you're speaking to yourself internally, and with what has manifested externally as a result, is that love in its truest expression and its highest form? Because if it is not, you owe it to yourself to journey to find your more. around until the very end. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support my one woman show, please subscribe and share it on social media or leave a rating and review. Reviews will help this pod to be found more easily and that in turn helps this whole thing grow. To catch the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Mav Malone. Let's connect. My DMs are always open and I'd love to hear from you. If you want to stay up to date on the latest events, books, and podcast episode releases, please head to my website, maverickmalone.com and sign up for my email newsletter. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.